I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Satan, you bow your knee. Satan, you bow your knee. You fall on your face. You fall on your face. So, dudes, last night I had a wicked good time. Uh, I emceed the uh, Lawn But Not Forgotten, aka Lawn Summer Nights National Trivia Event. Um, That's sweet. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the, so, Lawn Summer Nights, uh, some of our listeners might know, is a, a really cool event uh, organization that throws events to raise money for cystic fibrosis but every year super fun oh my fuck it's so fun every year they do lawn bowling and it's like a national tournament across across canada and pretty much like i think a city from almost every province takes part lots of cities you say when you say like it's it's so fun they throw these events it's lawn bowling some people are like what (laughs) yeah i I know (laughs) but like actually it's so much fun it is really it really i mean it's just like it's just a silly silly good time but obviously coronavirus coronavirus 2019 2020 coronavirus has uh canceled everything so uh they also canceled the lawn bowling but what they did in place of lawn bowling, I thought was brilliant, a brilliant idea. They decided to hold a trivia tournament. Again, sounds kind of lame, but Soul is so fuck, <laughs> but, but so fucking fun. And so uh, me and Brian and, and Taylor and Lauren, we, we, were, we were all together at the, um, uh, the, the event here in Halifax that took place about a week ago. And then last night, they held the Nationals. So they brought all the top three teams from every city together to play Nationals. And basically, the way it worked was it was all done through Zoom. So, like, they all kind of logged in through Zoom. And then there's this, like, program that you can play the... Anyway, whatever. So they asked me to MC it. And basically, I'm just in this, like, recording studio. And I'm kind of, you know, just, like, being silly, making a couple jokes, um... And then introducing like the questions and the and the, the possible answers or whatever. Well, another part of what they did was they 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 ended up getting a bunch of like celebrities to to ask some of the questions. So we had like these guest questions, and I had to intro those. And uh, this is the this is the first one that I had to intro. 
Badger or weasel? Weasel? <laughs> Dude, I don't even know. <laughs> well, I do know someone who probably would know something about a weasel. <laughs> oh, whoops. Uh, can't reel that back. We're going into question five, and this is coming to you. <laughs> this is coming to you from a real special guest. Uh, so let's throw it to our special guest <laughs> question. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens of the lawn summer nights. It's Carol Baskin at Big Fucking Cat Rescue. Carol Baskin. <laughs> I love the name of your group. That is so fun. I just love puns and plays on names. So that is so fun. Oh, my and God. And I hope you guys are having an extremely fun time, a tigerific time. <laughs> oh all right. So any, anyway, she asked, she asked the question, and then it comes back to me, and I have to reread the question. And the question was, what is the Eastern tiger swallowtail? A, a tiger, B, a bird, C, a butterfly, or D, a fish? I feel like there was a mi- we missed the mark on this question, though. I feel like this question could have been, how many tigers does it take to consume a human body? <laughs> allegedly. 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 <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! Dude. Oh, that, that was fuck. That was objectively funny. Yeah, <laughs> I man, oh, I, man. I, I, I said some things where I was like, I don't know if I should have said that. Oh man! But I spit god, out my man. coffee everywhere. I have coffee. I think I have coffee coming out of my eyes right now. <laughs> coming out of your dilated pupils, there, uh, Jared. That's one of the funniest Ooh, things I've heard yeah. you say. In a long time. <laughs> man, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Trivia. I've never. I didn't realize how fun hosting trivia could be. It's it's a it's a fucking really fun time. So anyway, I want to say thank you, Lawn Summer Nights, uh, for for continuing to find ways to raise money and raise awareness for cystic fibrosis research. Um, last night. Up to date, they have raised um, $70,000, which is fucking amazing. Uh, so congratulations for doing that. And uh, I just want to let everyone know that they are leaving, um, they are leaving the, the donation um, options open for the next month. So up until August 31st, you can donate, and you can do that by going to bit.ly slash LSN Trivia. So... Um, Go, you know, just go support, go support a really wonderful organization that's doing really wonderful work so that maybe one day, um, you know, I can get my hands on some Tricafter or something like that. It all, because all, all of this kind of plays a role in that. Open up those wallets, folks. That's right. Or if you don't want to do that, just go to sickboy.com or patreon.com slash sickboy because, uh, <laughs> I mean, you won't be helping solve any, any mysteries to, to, to find cures for diseases, but you will be getting sweet exclusive merch um we gotta put we gotta we gotta push that merch as they say uh <laughs> speaking of pushing merch hey taylor and lauren uh where the fuck's taylor no. uh, 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 lauren and brian where's taylor <laughs> where is taylor I, he's, well he's, you he's, know what? i can tell you where he is let's ask carol baskin <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, let's throw it to her. Allegedly, where he is, um, I can tell you where he is. It's it's uh, it's early on Friday morning, the day that we're releasing this, and uh, you know, I I just think it's too early for Taylor, dude. It's so early. I haven't even had coffee yet, but I showed up. So it's of drinking my cup right now. Uh, so listen, dudes. Um, without Taylor here, 
there's a question that I want. It's it's good because I I kind of know what Taylor's answer would have been or thoughts would have been <laughs> on this anyway. So it's nice that I get to talk to you guys about this. Hey, do you guys remember when you were in school? And no. you and you uh, oh <laughs> well. Wait, this is going to be really. Like, yeah, what, do they not what? put you American kids in school, Lauren, in Texas? Do they just like let you guys run free on the ranch or whatever? Exactly. They just gave me a gun, <laughs> and then said, "Good luck to you. Get out there and shoot some hogs." And Fan now, and now, every six minutes, a Texan person dies of oh, the coronavirus. God, it's so <laughs> sad, but it's so true. <laughs> Yeah, that actually was a headline that I read the other day that I sent to you, Lauren. It was every six yeah. and a half minutes a Texan dies from coronavirus. Hey, this is Feel Good Friday, and so I'm trying to steer us into. The- <laughs> so, Jerry, you said uh, you said, do we remember being in school? But like, what? Yes, what age yeah. What of were you going to say? Like Sorry. elementary school, well, like middle school. Well, this the, what the the question I'm, I'm going to ask kind of relates to to all times in school. Um, do you remember how good it felt when you got a report card back or you got an assignment back and you got like what would be considered in your mind a really good grade? Because, you know, let's be honest, there were people who anticipated and needed A's for everything. And then there were the kids like me where it's like, oh, I got a C plus. Like, fuck, I was, that was way better than I was expecting to get that kind of thing. Do you remember how good that feeling was when you got a good mark? Yeah, I remember how good it felt, and when I would I would get an A, and I would be like, "I this feels so good," and then I'd bring it yeah. home to my mom, and she'd be like, "That's not good enough." Oh my god! And I was what? like, "What?" An A? I was like, "I don't even think there's you can't do better than that." And yep. she was like, <laughs> "She was like, what about an A plus plus?" And I was like, "Fuck, mom!" Are you and making it, this up? I can't quite tell. <laughs> Only kind of. <laughs> she was like, well, you need to assess those areas for improvement. You know, did you get 100%? I remember I had a teacher. Did you, I don't want to detract or steer too far away from your story, Jerry, but I remember I had a teacher that didn't believe in giving out 100%. Oh, the, fuck that did, teacher, did you, man. Did you ever have one of those? Though? That, you I know had a teacher that was like, there's always room for improvement. And oh, you're like, what? Yeah, Shut every fuck you. <laughs> Every professor I had, like from France and university, was like that. Yeah, isn't that annoying? Yeah. Anyway, Jared, Jared, I don't want to steer too far away from what you're saying, but stupid. yeah, I, I remember. Of course, I remember getting back report cards or tests. Uh, it feels and being like fuck yeah, yeah this feels great. Yeah. Feels good, right? Well, mm-hmm. um, I want to give some good news, everyone. Uh, well, this is every. I, I, you know what? I should I should reel that back. I said everyone. There is a good swath of people that listen to this podcast that live in the United States. This is not good news for you. But everyone in Canada who listens, guys, I got some good news. All right? I'm going to be the teacher today. I'm handing back your report cards. Uh, this is a CTV News article coming from Ryan Flanagan. Oh, Flanagan. Uh, coronavirus <laughs> report card. Experts give Canada a B, U.S. an F. The novel coronavirus became a reality in Canada six months ago today. This article is coming to you from July 25th. Six months ago, guys. That's fucking half a year. Crazy. A man who had traveled to Wuhan, China, had fallen ill after returning to his home in a Toronto suburb. He sought medical attention, and doctors diagnosed him Canada's first presumptive case of the virus. Two days later, test results on the man came back positive, and his wife was diagnosed as the country's second presumptive patient. As this was happening, health officials from BC to Ottawa were saying there was little risk to Canadians and the World Wait, Health Organization. What about or- Hold on. BC to Ottawa? They don't give a fuck about us. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and the World Health Organization, it's like, as soon as you get to the Quebec border, they're like, oh, then the rest of the country. Um, so health officials from BC to Ottawa. That is fucking weird, man. <laughs> right? Like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, we don't have health officials the east of Ontario. <laughs> Just Yo, say BC I'm, to Newfoundland. I'm tweeting. Hey, everybody who's listening to this right now, let's see if we can actually do this. Uh, if you are listening to this right now, tweet at Flanagan Ryan. F L A N A G A N Ryan, and just say, um, say, uh, what's east of Ontario? What's east of Is Ontario? Is there anything of yeah. Ontario? What, say, Can what's someone t- make a map of Canada and take out Quebec and everything <laughs> eastward to and ask fair. him if it's Canada or not? To, but, 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 to but, be fair, but, but, to be fair it, maybe. But do it without do like, without any context. Just just <laughs> what's what's east of Ottawa? Yeah. Just just what's east of Ottawa? Yeah. Hashtag Sick Boy Podcast. <laughs> um, uh, but the, yeah, definitely do that. The but the the thing is to uh, to play devil's advocate here. Maybe he was saying like from BC to Ottawa and like like not linear, like from no, no, this let, place no, to that here, place let, and let, this place. Listen, hey, he's he a journalist. Another place. <laughs> there are standards in journalism. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Check your facts, Ryan Flanagan. <laughs> Flanagan. Uh, as this was happening, health officials from BC to Ottawa were saying there was a little risk to Canadians. And the World Health Organization, who, was holding off on declaring <laughs> the virus a global health emergency. Man, did they ever fucking not anticipate what the world would be like today, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, as Ryan says, much has changed since then, yada, yada, yada. Half a year after C- uh, COVID-19 first showed itself in Canada, ctvnews.ca asked seven prominent epidemiologists, health pr- public health experts, and infectious disease specialists to look back at the pandemic response of Canada and the United States and the world as a whole and put together a report card for each, assessing their strengths and weaknesses thus far and assigning them a letter grade. So uh, they go through the panel. It's, it's a bunch of like really smart-sounding people. We've got a Dr. Anna Banerjee. She's an infectious disease specialist at the University of Toronto. Dr. Lisa Barrett, an infectious disease specialist at Dalhousie University in Halifax. Um, oh, oh. Look who's calling. I just saw he just sent a text. Just woke up. Here, one second. <laughs> Yellow. Yo. Oh, hey, sleepy head. What's up? Oh, just in the middle of recording an episode. Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're good. 15 minutes in. <laughs> oh, fuck me. All righty. Feel good Friday. Feeling good on Friday. Uh, uh, so, okay, let me get through this before he pops on the Zoom because we're gonna have to fucking set everything up once he gets here. Uh, COVID nineteen report card. All these smart, <laughs> all these smart people. So, Banjeri gave Canada a B. Barrett gave it a B plus. Chag- Chagla gave it a B minus. Uh, Chakra Barty gave it an A minus. How about that? Conway gave it a B plus. Saint John gave it a B plus, and Tweet gave it a B minus. Now, everyone else basically gave the US an F. There was one D in there. And then the world, the world basically got a C. So they were saying, we, we did better than, than the world as a whole. And there was something interesting here that the reason for that is um, we are in a position where we have low community spread all over the country to a point that we have even had the option of safely opening indoor dining bars and schools, yada, yada. In the grand scheme of things, we have actually done a very good job and we should actually be proud of ourselves for that but proud in a way that we don't get complacent. We never, mm-hmm. we, we never were at a point where we felt um, appreciably, appreciably 
out of control. Um, but they go on to say, oh, man, where's that line? Basically, they were saying, you know, there were countries that did uh, just as good as us in terms of numbers and stuff, but our healthcare system never got weighed down like s- some of those other countries that were in a very similar position, mm-hmm. which kind of boosted our marks. So I think that's a, I think, I think that's a huge um, point, though, about making sure that we don't get complacent now because yes. even looking at some of the numbers in the last few days, it's like, yeah, I think some <laughs> places are starting to like get a little bit more relaxed and people are starting to feel feel more comfortable yeah. uh, going out in public and like not necessarily listening to all the public health rules. Mm-hmm. So I just like, I, I want to emphasize the fact that like, hey, that's great, but like we need to make sure that we continue to practice all of the measures that are in place to make sure that the second wave doesn't just take off or, or get out of control because we're seeing like, obviously United States is, is, uh, is, is really bad right show. now, but, but even, yeah. even some of the places where, um, the first outbreak started in like East Asia are starting to see, uh, more significant spikes in cases. Mm. <clears throat> Sorry. I have, a. Uh, morning morning speak right now but um but we need to i think that we need to be extra cautious because you know inevitably if we don't the second wave is going to come and and we're going to have to you know go back to yeah. all of the other um social distancing uh and I mean, I, measures that we yeah, had in place before I, th- I think that's inevitable anyway um, right. I just I think I think that you know second wave if if there is a second wave if we end up getting one that um, that we're gonna it, it's it's gonna have to be we're just we just don't want to ever see the healthcare system get like get fucked oh look Taylor's here too bad hey. too bad his recording isn't synced up to this right now all right here let's uh, let's pause the recordings and start start anew. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this word from our sponsors. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts um uh well hello taylor good morning hey, hey. <laughs> you fucking idiot um glad you, could, glad you can make it <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah it's yeah. just uh just just give me uh just give me like a, a minute or two uh this uh, is an npr radio dude you can can you can you, can you bring your voice up a little also uh, uh actually hello, for, for real hello. for real though tay uh what's the gain on your um on your uh, oh, it's like fifty-seven or something, fifty-seven or fifty-eight. Jeez, you're coming in really hot. Do you guys um, want to? Do you guys want to record the entire next section of uh, this podcast as if we're all NPR uh, reporters? Absolutely not. That's a wonderful idea, Brian. Can I read wow. to you? Can I read to you the next segment in that voice? Absolutely. <laughs> Why an anal surgeon is begging you to stop using wet wipes? <laughs> So we're going to talk about uh, there's a there's a there's an article here that uh, Lauren flagged. Um, so you guys all know that I'm kind of a little bit obsessed with how I clean poop off my butthole. 
Um, no, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's something that I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm done with toilet paper. Toilet paper out. Mm-hmm. Fucking, which makes total sense. So, so actually, so done with it that now that I'm at somebody else's house and I, they don't have a bidet, I, I just don't wipe my ass. I just, I just go. I'll just leave it and let it crust. That makes sense. That's. You know what I mean? Horrific. That's, that's horrific. That's probably, that's probably the grossest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wouldn't just it just be uncomfortable it. to walk to? But then, do you use a blow dryer? Like, do you do to accelerate the process so like you're not in the bathroom for, <laughs> for for like an hour waiting for it to dry and crust over? Do you like do you find the do you find the the blow dryer and just start blow drying your your asshole to cake the? To no, cake no, the no. I, I let it cake on its own. But the thing is, is that the reason why. Is that when I do get home and I get to that bidet, it's 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 like you ever scratch an itch that is like that just uh, oh, need, yeah. that I just needed to be scratched. Ever I, I just want to say, ever, I just want to say, it? this ever, was not a gross conversation until Taylor and Jeremy both got on the microphones together. <laughs> <laughs> this was totally fine. Everything was going well, <laughs> and now it's dissolved and, to this. Yeah, now we're so, blow drying the shit on our assholes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, as we should be. There, there are. <laughs> There are, I have been to a couple of houses, speaking of uh, shitting at other people's houses that don't use bidets, I've been at people's houses and I've seen, I've seen wet wipes kind of like in, in an arm's reach from the toilet. So like it's, I'm, I sit there and I go, oh, I guess I assume that they're using that to wipe their ass sometimes when they have a messy doo-doo. And we all have that sometimes. And so, uh, but this article was really interesting because I always thought, hey, wet wipes, that sounds great. Like it's, it's wet. It it has like usually there's like a you know like a cream element to it where it like fe- makes you feel soft. Mm. It's like we mm. do that with babies, right? So it's like <coughs> babies' ass. Preparation are, H dude, does feel dude, good. Dude, I use them a lot in the van. On the whole, like in like to have wet wipes around and when you're living in a van is super convenient. This might change that opinion, Brian. Wet wipes are the San Pellegrino of butt cleansing tools. Oh, sorry, this is coming from Rachel Lapidos from uh, Well and Good. I'm not sure if that's an insult or a compliment. <laughs> well, uh, she follows that up with, "They feel like a fancier, grown-up version of toilet paper." And addition to the posh factor, people who swear by them for their post bowel movement wipe believe that the method is more thorough and leaves the buttocks cleaner than it would otherwise be. And while I hear you concerning the argument at hand, an anal surgeon says it's time to ditch those wet wipes for good. So it goes on to say uh, there's, this, there's this anal surgeon named Evan Goldstein. Uh, he says, quote, people think if they can use a wet wipe on their baby, they can use it on themselves. However, while wet wipes might make you think you're getting your bum cleaner, they can actually cause a myriad of complications that you probably don't want to have to deal with in the long run. In addition to being a major environmental concern, which is a big deal, wet wipes aren't the best option for the health of your anal region either. Just like the skin on your face, your anus is, and surrounding skin is covered in good and bad bacteria, which work together to find homeostasis to keep your tush in tip-top condition. Quote, this is important. So when you start to augment that microbiome with wet wipes, what happens is that you're wiping away the good bacteria and the balance becomes a problem, unquote, says Goldstein. When there's an imbalance, you can wipe up the, irrita- wipe up the irritation, rashes, or sorry, you can wind up with irritation, rashes, or fungal or bacterial infections. 
Kind of mm. like how I have on my foot right mm. now. I think I have a fungal infection on my foot right now. Mm. So maybe is that's it, why. It, I, maybe but, that's why I have a saddle sore because I've just been. I've just. I use. I don't probably on average for per doo It's like eight, eight wet wipes probably. Wait, but are you serious? <laughs> yeah. You use wet wipes every time you that, you do do. Yeah, I use wet wipes every time and eight wet wipes every time. What do you do with yeah. them? Do you put them in the garbage? Well, well the first three. The first three have the doo-doo on them. And then the fourth is to ch- double check. The fifth I'm with you. Is, to, is, to, is, to, is to really like chafe the area with some wetness. The sixth. You've lost me. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. The sixth is for the cleansing properties. Because I was believing you pretty hard. I, I did, mean, I, you did, know, if we're going to be talking about wipe, wiping, I, I, like, if I don't have the bidet, sometimes... I just wipe, 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 wipe. But dude, if you're if you're not wiping, if you're not wiping until it's perfectly clean, then you're not wiping effectively enough. I probably should use wet wipes because I don't think the actual wet wipe would ever touch the skin of my asshole because it's so hairy. There's a there's a there's an there's an impenetrable barrier. You got the worst dingleberries, I bet. Oh. I bet. Uh, later in the episode, we're talking to a doctor, uh, a, a specific, a, do- a, a smart person doctor about childcare. So just stay tuned, folks. We're almost through this. Um, so with the homeostasis in the biome altered, bad bacteria starts to populate fungus or irritation, which I see all of the time. Says Doctor Goldstein, um, and he says, by the way, even wet wipes that are chemical free will do the same thing. And then, of course, the other thing is that using wet wipes, there's like a moisture factor. So people who tend to use wet wipes and then pull up their pants. So what happens is that the moisture oh, sits no, there. Oh, dude, I don't and, like that. And that and the moisture just festers. <laughs> oh, don't use oh, that word. Don't by the say bike. fester. And it causes <gasps> change. Festering moisture. That's like the grossest combination of words ever. So if that, I ever have a male child, I'm going to nail them fester. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, If this continuously happens, he notes that people can feel as though they have fissures or hemorrhoids. I'm going to name my son Fissure. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to name mine Hemi. So... Um, and then, and then this is the the final thing here is what's more, wet wipes can cause major problems for the health of the toilet ecosystem as well. Have you ever heard of a fatberg? That's a question uh, for you guys. Have you ever heard of a fatberg? Uh, no, but that's what I'm going to name so. my son. <laughs> hey, oh, there we go. Uh, I, have you guys actually never heard of a fatberg? I can introduce you no, to a fatberg. Yeah, oh, this introduce is so me to great. fatberg. Oh, my God. Isn't okay. there a place called Fatburger? Uh, uh, yes, there's a place called Fatburger. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a made-up place. It, yeah, fictional place in movies. But um, a fatberg, holy shit. All right, folks, if you're at home listening and you're not driving your car, Actually, if you are driving your car and you're listening, pull over. If you're at home, go to, a, go to your phone. Pick it up. If you're cooking, stop cooking. Pick it up. Go to Google and type in Fatberg and go to Google Image Search. I'm going to show you guys this right now. B-U-R-G or B-E-R-G? F-A-T-B-E-R-G. A Fatberg is a oh colossal buildup. Oh, oh, I have heard within of this. The, within the bowels of the sewer. And so it's people's jobs to go into the sewer and to um, break down 
chop down oh. and, and get rid of these things called fatbergs. Now, fatbergs can be like this one here we're looking at. You know, this looks like it's probably the size. Did Brian? Did you actually throw up in Brian, your hand? Brian, this close. Holy shit. Brian threw up. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, you're so oh, good. that looks like an animal. It looks I, like that, a little oh. sheep. I can yeah, so, smell so, that looking at it. Well, hold on. This hold on. Horrific. Hold on. Fatbergs can be small, like this hand-sized fatberg. Or they can be oh they God. can be fucking huge, like this, like two hundred and ten oh. ton fatberg underneath oh. New York City. And those are those are wet wipes, right? I mean, like anybody who's putting a well, wet wipe in the toilet, it's, it's more than should just be that. should it's be should there should be a five year prison sentence for throwing wet wipes in the toilet. This, this is a, a New York Times article from Anna Shavarian. Uh, scientists solve a puzzle. What what's really in a fatberg? The grisly results of an autopsy in the UK were made public on Friday, and they were not pretty, but they did hold a few surprises. When a giant fatberg was discovered in the sewer of a small coastal town in southwestern England last year, the company that manages the pipes was so mystified by the greasy mass of solidified fats and waste materials that it enlisted the help of scientists to discover what it was made of. The grisly results of an autopsy were made public on Friday, and they were not pretty, but they held some surprises. Stuck within the massive stomach churning lump were wet wipes, as expected, oils, sanitary products, and even a set of false teeth. So basically, fatbergs are when you know you, you flush shit that you shouldn't flush down the toilet, or a big part of it is actually like the, the oils that we use for cooking. That people f- yeah. that people pour down the uh. sink. So so a blend of those oils and and you know tampons and fucking soiled diapers and false teeth oh, dude, all I come together to make to make a giant monster that is a fatberg. Now I can't do this conversation, Brian. Anymore. You're actually gonna love this part. Uh, you're gonna love this part. Uh, it was my first time. Aunt, quote. It was my first time. This is John Love. Uh, here I'll, I'll read here. The study was fascinating. John Love, a professor of synergic. Synthetic biology at the University of Exeter and the project leader said in an interview on Friday, but his team did not embrace all parts of the autopsy. Can quote, you read his quote? Can quote, you do please his quote read his, his quote. accent? Yeah, all right. do, quote. do his accent. It was my first time <laughs> analyzing a fat bird, and when you smell it, you think this is going to be the last time because the smell was honking, Professor Love said. It was awful to do. It smelled gross. <laughs> I, dude, I totally feel, I totally, I totally feel for him. I feel like I'm at the university. I feel like I want to book him as our next like Feel Good Friday guest. <laughs> oh, because anyone, yeah. anyone Lauren. that calls a smell honking, I Lauren. want y'all to yes. talk to. Lauren, John if Love, you do that. John Love at the University of Exeter, Exeter. Is who we need to talk to because I'd love to talk I mean, more fatbergs. If Doctor Love, it makes I just want to book someone called Prof- Professor Love. I will uh, throw up if we look at more pictures of that. Another Professor. little, another little tidbit about fatbergs: when when a hundred and forty ton, a hundred and forty ton fatberg was found in East London in 2017, a subsequent autopsy revealed that the city's residences have been flushing condoms, syringes, and narcotics, including cocaine and ketamine. That's pretty well. Wild. I mean, they were probably in a pinch. Why do they pinch. call them autopsies? They're not living. Um, I'm question. confused, neither are, but neither are people that people that people do autopsies. <laughs> on. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, 
That was good, Lauren. You had me, and I was on board, me. and then I was like, oh, yeah, right. But they never were living. Right. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, what, I, like, what, is the, what is the definition of autopsy? Yeah, because to me, it seems more along the lines of an archaeological dig, a very oh, disgusting oh one. Oh, God. An but, ar- true, archaeological? Yeah. I don't know, man. That's a, an autopsy, yeah. a por- post-mortem examination, abduction, Necropsy or autopsy cadaverum is a surgical procedure that consists of a thorough examination of a corpse by dissection to determine the cause, mode, and manner of death or to evaluate any disease or injury that may be present for research or educational purposes. That is the maybe Wikipedia the, Maybe definition. there's so much bacteria within the fatberg that they consider it a living... What, maybe they're just using beer. it like... What's, um, what is it called when in... The English English language you you use a word to describe something that isn't like the typical definition of that word, but you just you use it. So like like if you were describing a hockey player um, like going around uh, like deking yeah. out a bunch of defensemen, yeah, yeah. you'd be it, like he danced his way around or he sewed his way through. It's and like called, that's it, not the definition of those words, but it's it's called when you it's called when you fan dingle jangle a word. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So Fandingle maybe they're jangle. just dingle jangling it, and yeah. that's the way that they use it there. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that's a it smart is the New idea. York Times. Dumbly <laughs> articulated, but Brian, I can't believe how legitimate you like actually almost threw up. That was pretty fucking impressive. That's the closest I think I've ever been to throwing up. Was it from the, the Im- was it from the image of the fat bird? It, yeah, not so much the image, like the. My ability to, to like put myself in that sewer and like yeah. the smells and like Can just imagine? imagining like standing <laughs> knee deep mm. in that disgusting. Well, for anybody mess. who was driving and didn't and didn't pull over, or anybody who didn't Google what a fatberg looks like, it it reminds me personally something that I'm sure most people have dealt with before, face to face, hand to hand, is the hair that you pull out of a drain. And oh, the and the and the and the goopy mm-hmm. the goopy shit that's like attached to the hair when you don't, pull it out. Don't, and it looks don't. like it, it looks like it looks like the little child from the Stop. ring is just exiting your Stop. drain yeah. every time you pull it out. It, it always reminds me of a of a, of a soaking. Whenever I soaking. Whenever I sna- soaking. Whenever I, whenever I snake that out, it reminds me of just like a sopping wet rat. That's yeah. been down. That's been yeah. down in there. Yeah, like a like a like a long. <laughs> oh my god, Brian! Stop! <laughs> Fuck this conversation! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude! <laughs> That's just how. I, this is just how empathetic you are, Brian. You're just Guys. putting yourself in the in the shoes of anyone who's ever reached into oh. a drain and pulled oh. out whatever the Whoa. fuck was in there. Oh. I'm really happy to know that uh, that <laughs> this conversation. Took off his headphones, he can't. All right, I'm really happy. That <laughs> the, hold on, I'm really happy that this conversation went went in this foul direction. Once I once oh, I oh, once I awoke from my slumber, yeah, um, <laughs> because it it makes me feel it makes me feel like like Jer and I can are really like like yin yin to my yang in terms of the ma- in terms of I nastiness. Hate, I hate it. Uh, so listen, we're about to, we're about to, not yet, we have one more thing Brian's going to dive into, but we're about to get a, to a conversation with a professor of sociology at University of Manitoba, Dr. Susan Prentice, and we talk about childcare. Um, but, uh, but again, you had to listen to a bunch of this bullshit first. Uh, but let's hear about uh, 
some of the work, Bri, that you do. Because this week, on Monday, if you haven't heard it yet, we released our episode with Dylan, who has Down syndrome, our first Down syndrome guest. And, um, you know, like, with Turn Me On, like, Bridie and I, we have, like, dream guests. And, like, we've, we've made, like, a list of dream guests for Sick Boy. But, like, one of the things that ended up on that dream guest list was it wasn't a particular person, but it was someone with Down syndrome. Like, we, like that was mm-hmm. a, kind of a, a dream <coughs> conversation for us um, because it, we just – we really wanted to, like, cover that particular intellectual disability, but we wanted to do it with someone who lives with Down syndrome to have their voice explain everything um, that they go through and – it was, I mean, man, Dylan is just the fucking bee's knees. That guy is so great. Had such I just a want to say, lovely time talking to him. I don't think I can handle the G-forces of the velocity of which we switch directions on this podcast. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, Gotta get used to we, it, buddy. Welcome, like, to, welcome to showbiz, oh, baby. Here, let me, let me talk about blissability after I almost threw up while talking about fat burgers. And then we'll throw to a conversation where we talk to a, a doctor about child care policy. It, it's that called being great. Hey, man, it's called adaptability. It's called being a professional at mental gymnastics, you know? <laughs> Uh, so, Bri, uh, what is blissability? And, and like, you know, because you, you actually work within the community of, of, within a community of people who live with intellectual disabilities. And um, uh, tell, us about, tell us about that and tell us about, like, what is bliss? Give yourself a little shout out of what blissability is. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, blissability is an organization that I started with maddie and our goal is to provide accessible yoga and meditation to people who live with intellectual disabilities and uh both maddie and i have had quite a bit of exposure to people who live with intellectual disabilities through other parts of our lives so um i was quite involved with uh, motion ball uh, which is a an event like a little mini olympics day where uh, athletes take part in different events and each team has somebody who lives with an intellectual disability and and at the time uh an olympic athlete that compete together and win points but the the ultimate goal is to raise money for special olympics so maddie started uh, a paddle all program at her canoe club when she was younger and worked with um people with down syndrome in the kayaking world so we were talking one day and we're both yoga teachers and we were talking about how the practice of yoga would really benefit people who live with intellectual disabilities, but there's not really any opportunities for them to, you know, going to a yoga studio to take a class isn't really an option for them. So we decided that we were going to start teaching or offering classes for, for people who live with uh, Down syndrome and and other intellectual disabilities. Um, The interesting thing is that, when we started, we kind of chose a place, a location in Halifax. Actually, we we uh, partnered with Lululemon to host the first class, and we were trying to raise some awareness about it, and you know, let people know that it was it was free and it was available, and if they could show up on Sunday morning, they would be able to attend the class. But when Sunday morning came, there was only like two people who turned up, and we thought, you know, this is just like any time when you start an event. Uh, it's hard to get the word out, you know, it, it's even more difficult in this community. So we just need to raise more awareness. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like when you started a sick boy TikTok, and, uh, it just like, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you had to like really. No, dude, there's way more people spread. on sick list TikTok. You had to spread so much awareness uh, <laughs> because like no one really gave a fuck and no one was showing up to our TikTok. Yeah, you're you're projecting your opinion on mm-hmm. that on that for sure. Right, right. Uh, um, so we did it a couple more times and the turnout was still pretty low. So we started to ask for some feedback from the community and found that the challenge was that number one, it's hard to um, uh, tell people who live with intellectual disabilities to like come and meet you at a specific spot um, at a specific time. Mm. So we decided to, you know, work with organizations that were, were already working with these people in this community and, and, and basically partner with them to offer classes in their spaces at times that were more convenient for them. So I started working with uh, three organizations here. One is Building Futures in Lower Sackville, which is an, em- uh, an employment uh, place for yeah. people who live with intellectual disabilities. So they go there and they work. But part of the, the jobs that they do, which is like, you know, stuff around um, <laughs> putting together uh, uh, magazines or uh, boxes and there's a cafe there but in addition to like the work stuff that they do they also do like other activities and and get to connect with one another one another there so mm. yoga became a weekly part of their schedule nice and uh, reachability is another organization and the YMCA actually has an abilities in motion program here which isn't specifically for people with intellectual disabilities and and what we started to do is realize that it's not just yo- making yoga accessible is not just about um, catering to one specific community. There's a lot of communities that that could benefit from the practice of, of yoga, as you guys Absolutely, know, yeah. but don't necessarily have access to like the typical type of yoga practices that um, studios offer. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then Maddie was Maddie at the same time has been running these programs in in Quebec. So. We have been partnering with other organizations like Special Olympics to offer free online live stream classes during COVID-19. And it seems like that's an even better way to offer yoga to people who live with intellectual disabilities, especially the Down syndrome community, because it's harder for them. Sometimes, you know, as we know from like watching uh, the Employable Me episode with, with Dylan, like sometimes people don't have the luxury of being part of these larger communities and especially those who live in rural settings. Rural, yeah. rural, how do you say that word? Rural, rural, rural settings. Settings. Truro. So, <laughs> Truro. Truro settings. Truro. Um, so, so basically offering these online live stream classes has been a, a way to like even elevate the offering of blissability at this time. So we're hoping to expand and, and do that more in the weeks and months to come. So how can people uh, stay up to date and support and uh, comment and like and all that stuff? Uh, They can follow us at Blissability on Instagram or uh, go to blissability.org for more information. On the Grom. Cool. Uh, That was very very NPR of you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Um, Well, folks... What this is what a what a lovely way to start a Friday. You know, we talked about Carol Baskin. We talked about Ah. Oh, uh, I talked, missed that part. You missed mm-hmm. the goods. You missed the goods. Talked about fatbergs. Talked about not. Hey, folks, stop wiping your butt with white wet wipes. All right. If you want to have if you want to have some fun booty hole fun, 
with, or just use less than with, eight with a partner or something, and you're using and the, and that's why you're doing it. Just get a get a bidet, 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 get a bidet. I also didn't think about the environmental impact of using wet wipes that frequently. That's a good point. And also toilet paper, just like regular toilet paper. You know, get a bidet, get a bidet. This episode is get brought to you by Tushy. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We should, guys. Honestly, we should, we should be sponsored by Tushy by now. I have, I've literally had people reach out to me asking me what my promo code, what our promo code was for Tushy, and because they just, they just assume because I fucking talk about it so much. Hey, dude, hey, we should get I, people. Hey, if you're listening to this right now, uh, tweet at Tushy and say why. Tweet are you at guys Tushy not- and tweet at Tushy and say what's east of Ottawa. Hashtag Safeway Podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, folks. <laughs> uh, enjoy our conversation here with Dr. Susan Prentice. Uh, we talk about childcare and the importance of childcare and the fact that kids are going back to schools and. How, you know, maybe that's a crazy idea, but also maybe that's a completely necessary idea. It's not so black and white, and she lays it out for us. And also, she is a smart woman and teaches us a whole lot of smarty pants stuff. So enjoy it, and we will see you on the other side. We got the phone going. It sounds like a house line. I haven't, heard a, I haven't heard a house Forgive line. Me. I know. I know. I'm so old-fashioned. Pardon me. I'm just going to pull it out. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. just re- pull it out. Can't you just, just leave it? How do I do that? Can't, no, can't you just, just leave it? Just leave it. Let it go. Just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> Here, one second. School. One second. I'm going to rip it out of the wall. That's right. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, uh, I just got back from the orthodontist. And, Great, uh, and I'm gonna get my wisdom <laughs> teeth out and get oh, Invisalign and have invisible braces. For oh, teeth. nice! And that's a great transition, Brian, because today we are talking about childcare, and I know that a lot of <laughs> children need to get their wisdom teeth out. And Brian, I'm glad that you, as a 30 year old man, have uh, have gotten that far where you figured out that those wisdom teeth gotta go. So, uh, but uh, as perfect as a segue, yep, as perfect as a segue that was, uh, let's first start by uh, welcoming our guest today, Dr. Susan Prentice. Uh, Susan, you're a doctor. Are you a medical doctor or a smart person doctor? <laughs> I'm a smart person doctor. <laughs> I, earned a, I earned a PhD in sociology, so that, that Wonderful. qualifies me. Do okay. Like our okay. different, our di- how we differentiate between like <laughs> MDs and PhDs. Yeah, it's become it's becoming my new my new favorite way to introduce our guests. I love that uh, you do that because I never actually thought of it that way until you started saying it that way, and then I'm like, oh man, layman's of- terms just work so well. Man, how many fo- like how many phones do you have burners? I'm sorry, there? forgive me. I'm a popular woman. <laughs> that sounds like uh, a, that sounds so, like a that sounds like a, uh, a rotary phone. Susan I know. Rotary old, phone. I'm very old school. I'm very. It's actually my ringtone on my iPhone. No, really? Yeah, oh. I love it. Otherwise, I don't recognize it as a phone. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah some robot screaming at you. I tell you, old school. Um, uh, Dr. Prentice, you are a you're a professor of sociology at the University of Manitoba, and you specialize in childcare policy and advocacy. I do. So, what do, what does that look like? Like, what does that look like from a from from an academic standpoint? Um, what is what is childcare policy? I guess. Oh, that's a great question. 
um, child care policy is a branch of social policy. It's a branch of family policy. Uh, and the reason I think it's important is because what really um, excites me as a sociologist is to try to figure out how families work in the 21st century, what it means to work and have children and have care obligations. I'm really concerned with women's equality and children's equality and families. And it strikes me that childcare is really a linchpin to putting all those pieces together in ways mm. that really work for people. Mm. And I feel like COVID is like my time because all of a sudden childcare is on everybody's agenda. Right. And I've been yeah. getting ready for this for 30 years. Yeah. And yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> like like that, that word is a very hot topic word right now. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for Manitoba. You're, you're calling us from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. But uh, here in Nova Scotia, you know, like there's, they just made an announcement um, I believe it was last week uh, where where the plan is to to open up schools like full capacity, one hundred percent, starting in September. And a big part of that, obviously controversial decision, uh, the the topic of of childcare comes up quite a bit, you know, because for a lot of people, and I've never really thought about this until until this discussion started happening. But for a lot of people, school is like a a primary form of childcare, correct? Mm-hmm. It is. It's one of the less obvious things that a school does, but it but absolutely school provides childcare and it makes a difference for more mothers than fathers. Mm. If you if you track over a lifetime the rates at which mothers are in the paid labor force, it's really still high. It has been for 20 years. If, if when kids are 0 to 2, about 70% of moms have a paid job. By the time kids are like three to five, about 77% of women have a paid job. But by the time kids are in school all across Canada, it's about 85%. So this means that as children get older and older, moms join the labor force, which is why the closing of schools has been a disaster for working mothers across Canada. And school is also, also for a lot of people, for, for many people, a free quote unquote free, obviously taxes, mm-hmm. um, but you know, quote unquote free, um, free form of childcare. Whereas childcare <laughs> before school age is, can be, you know, an extreme, yeah. extremely yeah, right. high expense for a lot of families. You're totally right. It's just a quirk of history. But when you say expensive, do you know how expensive it actually is, Taylor? Isn't it something like, I know that, I know that I have friends who, least I know I have bucks. friends when they have fa- when they have kids, it's something like if there's, if they have more than, if they have two kids or more, like once they have their second kid, it's kind of like, it's more worth it for one of the parents to quit their job than it is to pay for childcare. Whoa. Okay. Well, you guys are starting to connect the dots. Yeah. So like in Toronto, which is one of the most expensive cities in Canada, <laughs> if you have a baby, right, an infant under the age of two. You pay $21,000 a year, right? Whoa. And if you, you have know, a toddler, you know, like a little three-year-old, it'll cost you $17,700 a year. So you put those two kids in childcare because you have two parents and you both want to work. And in Toronto, your daycare fees will be $38,000 a year. Guys, right why the ahead. fuck are we podcasting? <laughs> we should be we should be babysitters, dudes. Wow, it's not that's where the money is. No, it's caring. We're it's caring, not, not sitting. It's our, not um, actually early child. And so the crazy thing is, you think, oh, who's getting rich off this these high fees that parents right. are paying? But early childhood educators in Canada 
top out at about 20 bucks an hour. Many of them make more on CERB than they made when they were working in childcare. It's just, it's really expensive and labor intensive to provide mm. safe, quality, mm. early childhood education to parents. Wow. And Our, although we figured out schools more than 100 years ago, we've just left childcare to the private market. So well, wasn't that, was well, weren't our, schools, our, uh, weren't schools wanna... created for like what? It, what's the history of schools? Like, we're school. Mm. I I feel like I I maybe maybe this is not true, but I I was having a, a like a like a you know a conversation with like a stranger at a bar about about schools, and and they were like, well, <laughs> the whole notion of schools started in in like New York to to kind of rally together all these like street kids to give them a place to go and, and just like be somewhere for the day to like keep them out of trouble. Is that, or is that, is that totally like the, the drunk guy at the bar telling me the story? <laughs> well, the drunk guy at the bar might've been remembering the story of kindergarten, right? With kindergarten uh, is children's gardens comes the German word. And this was the idea that even very young children deserve to bloom in good right. settings with trained teachers. So that's the story of kindergarten. But we've always known from about six or seven or eight different countries pick different ages that kids need to learn. And so across most of Canada, before, before 1900, we figured out we had to build a public education system, mass education, mm. free. Nobody pays to walk in the door of a school because the economy needed skilled workers, people had to read, they had to know their numbers, they had to have basic citizenship. Right? So once upon a time, you know, you lived in a small town, you wanted a school, you and your neighbors got together and hired a teacher and she taught in the one-room schoolhouse. But over 120 years ago, we got our act together for education. We haven't done the same thing for childcare. Hmm. I want to come back to uh, the, the, the part about Childcare and the the cost uh, mm. specifically in Toronto. Our our manager Jeff was telling me the other day that um, for them it costs them three thousand dollars a month for childcare. And the the challenges is that not not only is it the cost that's expensive, but if you it, number one, it's hard to find childcare. Um, mm-hmm. And then once you get a spot, if you don't continue paying that three thousand dollars, you can lose your spot very <laughs> easily. So like. For example, during COVID nineteen, um, his family is in in Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. and if they don't, you know, pay starting in September to put their kid back in in this program, then they can very easily lose that spot and then not have access to that childcare again. And my question for you, Susan, is 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 that a problem across Canada? Like access to childcare before um, school begins? Mm-hmm, totally. There's there, there was a crisis before COVID hit. I mean, all across the country, and mm. we'll just keep Quebec out of this discussion because it's so different in so many ways. But all across Canada, we've never had enough licensed childcare spaces for the children in this country. We only have a licensed childcare space for less than 30% of the kids. So that means most children have to be in unlicensed care. It's a babysitter. It's a grandma. It's somebody down the street. It's the parents off shift. So we've never had enough spaces. Lots of children and families live in what we call childcare deserts, neighborhoods where there just aren't services to buy, even if you can afford the fee. Mm. Um, And like I'm in Manitoba, on average, a parent in Manitoba will wait 16 months from the time they start putting their name on a list until they get a space. 
Whoa. So it's a disaster wow. for working parents. <clears throat> yeah, you, now, that you, you were saying that in terms of before COVID, mm-hmm. um, and, and something that you said at the very top of the episode, which was, you know, now is your time, and this is something <laughs> you've been preparing for for, did you say 30 years? 30 years. Yeah, so uh, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that, like, do you mean COVID is... In in some ways, COVID is a blessing in that it's like it's 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 revealing to a lot of Canadians the issues that 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 existed within childcare and education uh, before COVID. Like like is this like is this kind of like a um, an opportunity for for like for you and and where you come from, like seeing a lot of big change happen. Well, I could never live with myself if I actually said a deadly global pandemic was a blessing. But sure, it, of course. <laughs> but it has been a wake-up call because yeah. I would say that a huge amount of powerful people in this world kind of um, imagine the world was an iceberg. Can I try this out on you guys? You know, you sure, guys have icebergs sure. in off your off your east coast. I've, I've heard of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you have this part above the waterline, right? So there's mm. the economy. Look at that. People go to work and people make money and people make profits and people lose money. And there's the economy that governments take care of. And so they invest Mm. in that economy and they subsidize that economy and they worry about that economy. But it's an iceberg, right? It it rests on a whole lot of invisible work below the waterline, right? Mm. Somebody gets up in the morning and goes to work because... Somebody fed them and their clothes were clean and they got up and they were restored and their labor power was ready to go back to work. You know, we come into this world, little people, right, can't even hold our heads up. They, you know, long period of dependence. Mm. And then at the end of our working life, we have, we have, we're vulnerable and frail again. So this imaginary homo economist, that's what economists call him, right? Economic man, you know, all he does is work. But there's this huge piece of social life, which is the work of care and social reproduction and public policy and politicians just kind of left it to the family to take care of. They left it to moms. They left it to women. And it's been a big part of an extra burden women have carried. And all of a sudden, Mm. people are recognizing it now. You said Mm. something something right at the beginning that caught my attention. I think that's like... and. I think that this will play in play in well with how obviously this is this has, like how COVID has had this huge impact, um, and and how. But you mentioned how th- how the sociology of the family has changed over, um, you know, over the. I mean, probably really radically over the course of the last. 50, 60 years, and probably you, I'm sure you could extend that back another fifty or sixty years before that, but probably some like really radical shifts in the past fifty years. Um, what are, what are, what are the fundamental shifts that have taken place over like the last, you know, 50 to a hundred years that have really changed the dynamic of the family and, and like women's place in the workforce and how that kind of translates and or trickles down into, into childcare ultimately. That's a very thoughtful question. Um, we had what uh, the French called the Tante Glorieuse, the 30 years after World War II, rising prosperity. And for lots of middle-class North American families, European families, it was the richest time in human history. And it enabled many families to have one breadwinner and one homemaker and a big baby boom, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And then that becomes like our imaginary normal. But it was a historical fluke 
Women have always worked. If you go back 100 years, women were in the labor market. But we organized all of our world around this imaginary family, which imagines that there's a mom at home full time to take care of kids. So you don't need child care. You don't need elder care. Women will do all the care work and men will bring home the bacon. And for, for decades now, women have been in the labor force in really high numbers. And yet our social policies just keep lagging behind. So this is what family sociology tries to point out. And it's got all kinds of consequences, right? Women are economically vulnerable, right? Occupational segregation. Women are poor when they're old because they don't earn pensions during their work life because they've worked part-time or not at all because they have little people in their lives, right? And then to the degree that we have childcare services, we just think you should go out and buy them if you want them. Mm. So we organize the world in really bad ways, and the mm. burden of that is primarily carried by women, and it's not fair. This uh, this is very uh, this is sounds very similar to so, like a lot of the stuff we've been talking about in the last I don't know it's been a couple like maybe a couple of months now. Um, this which is something still kind of new to me this this idea of the social determinants of health. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like this is the, the childcare is a part of that uh, that it plays a role in that social determinant of health, mm-hmm. totally, um, or the or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering, Susan, if there's any examples. Like, if you look to other countries, are there any countries who seem to be getting this right at this point that have like shifted the way that they've been doing things? Over that, America, kind of probably America. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna guess America. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah, right. the United States yeah. for sure. They nailed. They're a positive yeah. example T- for us. Twenty, all. Bu- 20 bucks on America right that here. have kind of gotten out of that. Like I've never thought of that that no. period of time. Like if you, as you mentioned, if you look back a hundred years, women mm-hmm. were in the labor force then too. I've never mm-hmm. thought of it that way, just because I think my perspective has been skewed by like what is that quote unquote ideal family dynamic mm-hmm. and. And, um, yeah, to go back to my question, like, mm-hmm. is there any country that seemed to uh, have stepped away from that societal norm that has kind of, you know, burdened us for the last mm-hmm. 50 years? Yes. Yes to both your questions. So, yes, child care is deeply tied up with social determinants of health. And if you like, I can go through the list of all the ways in which it, it bears But yes, there are countries that have new social norms, right? So in particular, we look to Northern Europe, um, Sweden, Denmark, um, the Northern Scandinavia always gets It's not America. They get prisons right. They get education right. They get get vacation right. I got to get the temperature right. I'm from Winnipeg, eh? So um, I got to do a sabbatical in Sweden uh, two years ago, right? And in Sweden, children have a right to go to childcare. No family in Sweden ever pays more than 5% of their family income for childcare. It's 24 hours a day in case you work a job that's not Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. And the municipality has to be sure you get one and you can't, you don't have to wait more than three months. Like this is like heaven for working parents, Mm, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It means life is more peaceful. It means there's more gender equality. It means there's less labor force discrimination. It means women have more autonomy, right? It's just a more gender equal, happier society. Um, from the so, yeah. from the policy standpoint, what is it about the policy that's being put into place that allows that 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 supports that structure? It's a great question. So um, many of the many of the Scandinavian countries started early in developing public policies, and they 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 made a different decision making model. So most people in Sweden, about 
80 or 90 percent are a member of a trade union and trade unions sit at political tables and help make decisions. And so when working people sit at the table, they say, oh, we, we need childcare, right? Mm. We work. Bosses don't see it. Bosses just see workers come and go, right? They don't have to care about the rest. So in particular, it's privileged people who don't notice everything below my iceberg waterline, right? Mm -hmm. It's just your point of view. What do you, you know, you don't have to care about your worker's family. You don't care that somebody can't come into work today because the babysitter didn't show up. All you know is that's an unreliable employee and you fire them. Mm. But when you have working people at the table and more women at the table, they can, they can talk about their real needs. Mm. So a lot of things are different in Scandinavia, but a, a big part of it has been how politics has been done. And they figured out that family policy is economic policy. And this is just a penny that hasn't... <laughs> Penny, hasn't dropped properly in Canada, mm -hmm. right? But COVID made it apparent about 80% of the workers in healthcare are women. If they don't have childcare or school, they can't go to work. So all of a sudden people figured out, holy Toledo, right? Childcare is important for the economy. And they hadn't noticed that before. Right. What, I mean, can, so <clears throat> coming back to that note about, about Nova Scotia making the move to mm -hmm. open, open up schools fully, um, in September, what are your what are your thoughts on the idea of of reopening schools um, in you know uh, what less than two months? Um, Can you say uh, six weeks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how do you you know? Obviously, obviously, it plays an important role uh, um, in in childcare, mm -hmm. but but like. Yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts on it? Like, because I, 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 from where I don't have a kid, you know, mm -hmm. so I, this is coming from like the pr the place of privilege where I don't really mm -hmm. have to think about it. Um, but I do live with an autoimmune disorder, mm -hmm. or or rather, I have an, a, a compromised immune system. Um, why did I say I have an autoimmune disorder? I've, I've been doing <laughs> this podcast for thinking. five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring it on. I'll take some more. Um, but I, I, you know, so I have a compromised immune system. And the idea when I first heard the idea of of opening schools back up fully. I was like, ugh, that sounds bad. That like that can't be good for anyone. Nope. Um now talking to you, I'm like, oh geez, now now how do I feel? Oh, about it's it? I don't know. slightly it's more like, nuanced. It's, it's more nuanced now. <laughs> it is nuanced. It's really what, what complicated. A and also and like, really complicated. <clears throat> Sorry, and science keeps say, changing, right? You guys yeah. are in the Atlantic bubble, right? Your rates of infection are really low. Like in yeah. Montreal, how would you feel about schools being open? Yeah. Right? But that's a right. So what, so what? I was going to draw the comparison between like, um, the Canada and the United States too, right? Because like obviously there's <laughs> yeah. a huge conversation going on about schools reopening in the United States, but it's a very different scenario than it is here, right? Mm -hmm. Well, here in Halifax. Well, they're sure, very yeah. state, like they're they're like state based, so like they're. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, we've we we've like what, that's a that's kind of like an interesting thing that's kind of happened in Canada, where I mean, obviously you get like provincial legislation and federal legislation. But uh, there seems to be, you know, like state state stuff. It mm -hmm. seems like states have a lot more autonomy in the U.S. than like provinces do in Canada. And it seems to be something that's kind of like changed a little bit with COVID right. because the situation in each province is so different right. that we're starting to see like more right. provincially pro provincial provincially concerned legislation and policy that's being put in place. This is true. 
And if you were a data geek, you'd go, you'd travel east to west across the country and look at all the variation because mm. although schools are pretty constant, you know, everywhere in Canada, children over the age of six have not just the right, but the obligation to go to school, right? Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. called truancy if you don't go to school and your parents get in trouble, right? <laughs> Homeschooling put aside. Mm. But province to province, the amount of childcare, how much it costs, if it's available, how long you wait, all of that is incredibly, incredibly variable. The thing I think that's uh, still open for childcare is um, thinking about the economy as a whole, the part that's above the waterline and the part that's below the waterline. Many of our decision makers and lots of voices in the media are just paying attention to the above the waterline part, right? Like, right. oh my God, the restaurants and the bars, we have to get them open. We have to get the economy going again. Mm -hmm. Well, what does community transmission mean if then you become, you live in, a, in an area where rates of transmission are high and then it's not safe to open schools? Like really? Bars versus schools. Bars, schools. Like what's <laughs> mm -hmm. the priority there, right? Whose interests are more represented Right. I think this is ways in which we don't think very carefully about all of the under the waterline uh, mm. economy that makes the formal part work because it's yeah, at jeopardy yeah. if we can't keep social care. Um, it really like, is. Um, yeah. It really is. It, we've had we've had so many conversations about different aspects of of how COVID has impacted like anything under this. Like, well, we each time we think, Oh, we're like, we're getting, we're getting to the bottom of how many, <laughs> how many ways COVID is impacting the, our country and the world. And then we have another, a new conversation and it's this, it sheds lights on this new perspective that we just didn't think about before. And that mm -hmm. lots of people haven't thought about before, which is why it's so awesome to have these, these conversations. Cause it's like, Oh, right. There's just this new dimension right. and, and really it highlights how, you know, we can come, you know, obviously we need to hold, you know, politicians accountable and, and people in positions of, uh, of power and people who are writing legislation. Um, and they need to be held to account, but at the same time, it hi also highlights like how challenging of a job it is at the same time to balance the, you know, million things that seem to be affecting, uh, mm. how we go about our daily life and all the, all the factors that play into decisions being made. It's very true. It is one big iceberg though, right? So here, let me connect some more dots. So watch what will happen. Schools stay closed in many parts of the country. I, Manitoba hasn't decided yet what they're going to do. Like it's everything mm -hmm. from fully closed to fully open. Right. They're still waiting to see. Like how people are planning, I have no idea. Right. My kids are in their early 20s, but I've got colleagues I'm, and friends and neighbors I'm very worried about. <clears throat> so watch this. Schools don't open, say. Or they do something wacky like Ontario, which is saying kids will go to school two days one week and three days a week the next week. How parents can't work, right? Somebody in a family, two-parent family, is going to decide to stay home. Who's mm -hmm. it going to be? Well, mom. mom. Yeah. Right? She earns less. She worries mm -hmm. more. She's mm -hmm. better with the kids. She says, I can manage. Right? She'll stay home. Okay. Looks fine. But then you lose her income. And, mm -hmm. and over the last 30 years, if you track household incomes, they've been pretty flat. They've, families have only done okay because more women have gone back in to the, gone into the labor force, right? So... Families lose money, right? That has economic spinoffs too, right? I mean, Canada needs women working because Canada needs women spending all that money and doing all those jobs in healthcare, right? Mm. And childcare and cleaning and retail and keeping the grocery stores going. So it's one big iceberg, you know? You can't just take care of the top because carve the top off an iceberg and it flips, mm. right? 
So how, the, <laughs> how is this having an effect on kids? Like, how is this, you know, obviously, obviously parents are being affected, but mm-hmm. um, you know, like one of the first things that I thought about when they said they were reopening the schools here, um, one of the, they, they, and they haven't come out with, they haven't come out and said exactly what this is going to look like, but they were like, but there's that small percentage of children who live with, um, uh, you know, compromised immune systems and, like we won't be expecting them to go back to school and we won't be penalizing them for that. And the first thing that I thought about in my head was like, Jesus Christ, if I was, if I was going into my, my, my last year of high school, mm-hmm. let's say, mm-hmm. and I was told, Oh, Jeremy, um, all of your peers, they get to go back to school and they get that to graduate, but you have to stay home. Mm-hmm. How, how like hardcore that would have been for mm-hmm. my, my mental health. And totally. I mean, you know, that would have just been devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time that it really made me think about how this is probably having a, a huge impact on children. Totally. From your from your vantage point, what 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 have you seen, or what are you what are you thinking about when when thinking about the way this is impacting kids? Well, the picture is still evolving. I mean, yeah. You talked about high school. Imagine you know being a, a kid who lives in a low income family, right? And you get breakfast and lunch at school, and you don't have yeah. school, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, you don't. I mean that. At, in late high school, right, you've, you've figured out how to use technology to connect with friends. What do you mm. do if you're in a rural community and you, you know, you don't have access to high speed Internet and you can't even Zoom with friends, right? Like the costs of these are only starting to emerge. I think it's right. very hard on children. I've actually seen <laughs> I've actually seen more media coverage about how our pets are going to cope with separation anxiety than what's happening yeah. with our children. Right? Yeah. Is there They're low it, value? It, is there like a a point because like I I see the value in going back to school, but then also mm-hmm. I see like if there is like a really you know severe outbreak of COVID nineteen cases again, like mm-hmm. I also see the value in keeping people home. But like, is there a, a number or a point at which like you can see oh it's better at this point to keep people mm-hmm. from going to school, or it's better to keep them going to school up until this point? Is there like mm-hmm. An answer to that, or is it just kind of like situational at this point? We've got net, networks, networks of researchers all over the world trying to figure out what does safe operation look like? What what kind of infrastructure has to be in place? Like, what level of community transmission is safe enough? Right? Early days, we thought kids didn't even get COVID. Now children are dying, and there were infection cases in childcare yeah. centers. Right? So we're still figuring this out. We now think the disease is an aerosol disease more than an air droplet disease. So that changes some of the sense about what safety looks like. You know, lots of our what, schools. What's are an old. aerosol disease? Yeah. So aerosolized in the sense that it's really, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, it's breathing. Right. Right. <laughs> so, sure. Sure. Sort sure, of sure. thing. It must terrify people with cystic fibrosis and, you know, lung, lung compromise. Right. Mm-hmm. But this means, for example, the idea that you can just clean everything, right? You just wash the surfaces. It'll all be fine. Well, if it's breathing, you know, you've got old schools mm. with windows that don't open and HVAC systems that yeah. never worked right anyway. Yeah, and, right. you know, the sick building syndrome. Right. Mm. Right. What does seem clear is that in order to kind of put band-aids and tie this all together with dental floss and just kind of try to keep it going, right? It's women who are staying home. It's been mums who've done the homeschooling disproportionately, right? Who are doing their day, day jobs when they can at night and not sleeping. <laughs> so you put this list of social determinants together, right? Early life, education, employment and income. Um, mm. questions of gender, questions of interpersonal relationships, right? It's all under the gun, under, you know, 
and some some of this is easy to solve with good family policy. All we have to be prepared to do as a country is pay for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody Man, minds it, billions of tra- billions to subsidize um, oil and gas and other mm. essential pieces of the economy. And we balk at the idea that spending one or two percent of the GDP on children because uh, we think that's too expensive. It's so it's like it just it. I continuously become awestruck with how just this tiny, tiny, tiny little thing that we can't even see with our fucking eyes that isn't even alive, that isn't even an alive thing, has completely, like, altered everything you think about. Like, every single thing has been altered. It's just, it's just so astounding. Well, I teach sociology, and, I, and I'm going to be teaching 200 intro students this year in my new online class. And uh, one of the things we say in sociology all the time is that the world is socially constructed. Humans put it together, right, and we can change it. Right. Some things look like more, more stuck than granite mountains, right, more, more immovable than Mount Rushmore. But in the blink of an eye, Canada has, like, $2,000 a month to every Canadian who's yeah. lost their income. Yeah. Boom. Mm-hmm. Right? Huge yeah. expenses. Boom. And all of a sudden, things that were utterly impossible Are pre-COVID possible. now look like, let's keep it going. All yeah. of a sudden, something yeah. that was impossibly expensive now looks essential. So yeah. people can change their mind. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm very hopeful mm-hmm. about the power of education and insight. Um, and one of the things that could happen in post-COVID recovery is we start paying attention not just to that piece of the iceberg, the productive economy above the waterline, but we look at all the social care. <laughs> I mean, here's one, right? Look what's happened to older people in COVID. We figured out that warehousing them in low-quality, commercial, you know, privately owned and operated, profit-making elder homes like long-term mm. care is deadly. Yeah, right. Like that. Yeah. Who's going to put up with that in the future? Yeah. Yeah. Not me, man. I'm not ending up in one yeah. of those, yeah. Yeah. those yeah. places. And, Den- and yeah. Denmark's the one that's doing a really good job with that, by the way. I know. <laughs> so there's care. You know, I mean, you need care across the whole lifetime, right? We're only temporarily yeah. not in need of care. It's a brief period of human life where we're fully independent and think we're mm-hmm. autonomous. Yeah. Um, Children this- need it. Older people need it. Family policy is economic policy. Mm. And I uh, think that the whole world is getting this wake-up call. Uh, Susan, so before we wrap, I just wanted to ask one more question and it's kind of, it's surrounding the, um, development of kids who are dealing with these strange pandemic times. So like, obviously some kids, you know, most kids have not been in school for the last few months, um, with school going back in September, there are some kids who will be potentially doing a couple days on a couple days off. Some kids doing, continuing to do distance learning, is this going to have long-term effects on the development of those kids? And do we know much about that at this point? Yes and no. Um, you know, it's a giant social experiment. You know, young, old, and very old are all being buffeted about children are in prime developmental mode, right? So they'll be carrying larger effects. Nobody exactly knows. Um, all we can try to do is put them at the center of decision-making, Mercifully, most children are resilient, and we can do a lot to promote resilience um, if we take it seriously. So it's, um, mm-hmm. it's just something to watch. And, 
my heart breaks, right, for all the families yeah. living with all this incredible stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this was, uh, you know, Feel Good Friday. Uh, we had some ups, we had some downs, and then we were we were on it up, and we were gonna. It was like it was like this might be a good place to wrap. And then Brian asked a question that brought it way down, and now and now we're all we're all sad and depressed now again. Thanks, Brian. Um, uh, but you know, it's just uh, hey, sometimes we gotta face the harsh so, realities, guys. That's it. Sometimes it's sometimes it's face reality Fridays, and that's what this that's what this. <laughs> I feel like is a lot about. of these recent Fridays have been face <laughs> reality. Face the reality Fridays. Yeah, for most sure. Friday is that. Yeah, <laughs> most Friday. Uh, uh, Doctor Susan Prentice, uh, thank. Thank you for for shining some light on on a topic that obviously is extraordinarily important and needs to be at the forefront of more people's minds. And I think the one thing that I've taken away from this conversation is that um, uh, I think Sick Boy Podcast we're moving to Denmark. We are actually uprooting <laughs> and we are leaving Canada. How about Denmark? Uh, so we'll see you there. Um, uh, Susan, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to hang out with us today. Thanks, Thanks for caring about care. Well, there we go. You know, it's uh, it's real. We got we had we had some we had some feel good Friday. We went into real ass real talk for a bit, and uh, now we're back to the the other where on the other side of that. And I guess the one thing I will say is, you know, fucking, that's all. That's, that's it. That's all. That's it. That's all. So thanks for listening, folks. And uh, that is it for this week. <laughs> there's no hope for the future of this world. <laughs> oh, God. No, and no, no. There's school. lots of hope. Hey, there's lots of hope. And I hope that. Okay, I will say this, though. And I saw this meme the other day, and it made me think. Do you ever see. Like, Enjoy the rest of your Friday. We're putting, we're putting kids in schools. <laughs> we're putting kids in school. And look, everything Susan said was so legit. And it's like, fuck, man, it like, what are, what are the, what's the right answer? I don't know. But what I do know is that, have you ever seen a kid cough? My no. nephew walks up to me, coughs like this. <laughs> <laughs> they just stick their tongue out. Yeah, you're right. You're they stick right. their tongue out and they cough like at you. <laughs> Dude, now we're gonna take a bunch of those little fuckers and stick them in a box and go have fun for eight hours and then and then send them home. Oh God, we're it's, fucked. It's, it's immensely complex and <laughs> potentially very dangerous. Yeah, apparently Dr. Fauci is saying that in addition to masks, we, they might encourage goggles. Somebody's knocking at somebody my door at your right door. Now. Oh my God, answer it right now. Answer it right now. This is great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh my God, our door's Hello. right there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, nice. I, I was hoping Amazon it was... Amazon delivery. Dude, online shopping is the best. What'd you get? I'll fucking Woo! Something you've been from, waiting for? Yeah, something from Aerie, I think, yeah. I was kind of hoping for yeah, something I, really morbid. Yeah, it, it's a body. It's from a fat burg. No, I started. Uh, I started buying um, underwear from Aerie because Victoria's Secret uses prison labor also, to make their shit. And also, also, they have like a good campaign about like they use models of like normal body size and type. And I'm about that, so I'm gonna I'll, give them my money. 
Also, Wait. not to like you know, Taylor and I are starting a conspiracy theory podcast. We'll talk talk to talk about it. <laughs> and, and not to get not to get too conspiracy theory about it, but <laughs> the CEO and founder of Victoria's Secret, I believe, has ties Hell to Brands? Jeffrey Epstein. So that's right. Yeah, I'm not giving him my money no more. Um, I think he was Wayfair. I think he was Elber. He was uh, Je- uh, Epstein's cuck. I think was the <laughs> whoa, yeah. He's like, you sit in that corner and you look at this egg-shaped dick, all right? Yeah, yeah check out it. check out the new Conspiracy Theory podcast with Taylor, Jeremy, and I to learn more about that. <laughs> no, no, Brian's not a part of it. It's our friend Jordan. Check it anyway, out. Well, it's called- I'll be on it, too. <laughs> no, he won't be. Uh, all yep. right, that is it for this week. I'm Brian from the Sick Boy Podcast and the Conspiracy Theory Podcast. You don't even know the name of it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> conspiracy Theories are us. I am It's called Checkmate. I know that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Yes, I'm on it because I'm, I'm, I'm one of the uh, co-hosts. Well, that's it for this week. And that, that was Brian. I am Taylor. I'm Lauren. I'm Jeremy, the, the co-host of Sick Boy and Checkmate, who have a me three-person too. podcast that two are male and one is female, and one's me and, and the other one's Taylor and the other one's Jordan. And this is Sick Boy. And I'm on it too. <laughs> For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.